Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, I'm going to share something uh, that's close to my heart this evening. And I want to read from Matthew 25. Matthew 25 um, has a number of parables in it, and I want to read one of the parables. What is a parable? I hear you ask. A parable is a story, and it's a story with a significant meaning in it. And these parables are stories that Jesus told. Jesus was a great storyteller. And uh, this particular story is a great story. It says this, Matthew chapter 25, you can either look on your own device, Bible, or follow on the screen. It says, Matthew 25 verse 1 says, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. It doesn't say it is. What you need to understand about Jesus' teaching in the parables, everything he taught was a dumbed down version of what the kingdom of heaven actually is. He said it's like a pearl, it's like a field, it's like a building. And on this occasion it's like uh, ten virgins. And, And it doesn't mean it's any of those things, it means it's like. It's a metaphor, it's an illustration. So when we get to heaven... The Bible talks about this half an hour of silence. The book of Revelation says when we get to heaven, the half an hour of silence. I think it's when we go, ah. It's not what I thought it would be. It's not a pearl. Who knew? And it's not a net. And it's not a building. And it's not a field. They were just metaphors. So I want you to understand that. It says, like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps and did not take any oil with them. But the wise ones, however, took uh, oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. Don't do that tonight, okay? Stay awake. Uh, At midnight, the cry ran out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and they trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. Verse nine says, no, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were a long way off to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. As I've already mentioned, this is a parable. It's a story to make a significant point. And with all of Jesus' stories, there was a context and a culture attached to these stories. And this story is about a marriage. It's about a marriage between a man and a woman and the marriage custom of the day was as follows. The groom would prepare a place for his bride and then he would go to her father's house and he would go to collect his bride. And when he would get there, there would usually be a small party And sometimes that small party turned into a medium-sized party. And sometimes that medium-sized party turned into a longer party. And it just took a bit longer than expected. And after the, the party, they would then head back to the groom's house where they would have the wedding ceremony. And it was as they were making their way back 
to the groom's house, that en route from the bridegroom's house, sorry, the bride's house to the bridegroom's house, they would be met by these 10 virgins. These 10 virgins were a modern day bridesmaid and they were there to help and prepare the bride be ready for the ceremony that was about to take place. And when they would get to the bridegroom's house, they would have the wedding and they would have the festivities and those festivities would last about seven days. It wasn't just like a, a four-hour hire a hall moment. This would go on day after day after day. But as these bridegrooms or virgins that Jesus talks about were on the road, they would have a lamp. And that lamp was, lamp was like an invitation. Without that lamp, it was like they were crashing the party. And so the lamp was not only to be seen but it was also an invitation to the party. And so th this was an incredibly important piece of equipment. And if they got to the groom's place without having a lamp, they were treated as a wedding crasher. And they would not be allowed into the wedding. They'd say, go away, you don't have an invitation. We don't know who you are. That's actually what's happening here in this parable that Jesus is saying. But the context, because context brings meaning, the context really here is about us finishing strong. Jesus wanted His disciples to finish well. He wanted them to finish strong. Everyone shout out at me, finish strong. He wants us to finish strong. And to prove the point, He said there were five of the virgins were foolish and five were wise. And that's an important piece of information to notice. He didn't say five were rich and five were poor. He didn't say five were lazy and five were busy. He used the term foolishness and wisdom. And what Jesus is saying here is if you want to finish strong, it's going to take wisdom. Who here wants to finish strong? Or who here wants to have a horrible life and die a miserable death? Anyone? No, we want to finish strong. We want to finish well. We want our marriage to be better at the end than at the beginning. We want our children to be better at the end than at the beginning. We want to finish well. We want to finish strong. And Jesus is saying, that's good because I want that for you. And so I'm going to give you some advice. You're not going to get there if you live a foolish life. If you want to finish well, it's going to take wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. See, wisdom is the correct use of knowledge. See, we come to church week after week and we get knowledge. But that doesn't give you wisdom. Wisdom does not give you knowledge. Or oh, sorry, knowledge does not give you wisdom. Wisdom comes when we apply the knowledge that we have. And if we don't apply the knowledge that we have, we live in a realm called foolishness. But the moment we begin to apply the knowledge we have, we come into a realm called wisdom. And, and that's a good thing. Who wants wisdom? And that's the context of this parable here. Jesus wants His disciples to finish well. He wants His disciples to finish strong. And He's like, I'm going to give you a key in how to get there. It's going to take wisdom. It's not going to take money. It's not going to take busyness. It's going to take wisdom. It's going to take the right use 
of knowledge. People can go to university, people can go to schools and, and learn lots of things. But those things you learn will not give you wisdom. Wisdom only comes when we apply the knowledge that we have received. And so in the short time that I have tonight, I want to highlight a few things that wisdom is seen in. You see, wisdom is seen when, number one, we take responsibility for our own lives. You want wisdom? Then you've got to start taking responsibility for your own lives. See, the foolish ones had a lamp and the wise ones had a lamp. Having the lamp or not having that, that wasn't what made them foolish. They both had a lamp. But what made the wise virgins wise was that they had a lamp and they had a fuel. If we can have my trusty assistant come out here. Thank you very much. So all 10 of these bridesmaids had a lamp. And as you can see, when it's on, it's on, it's great. And even the foolish ones had a lamp. But what separated the foolish from the wise was that the wise not only had a lamp, but they had fuel. You see, one is the tool, the lamp is the tool, and the kerosene, petrol, is the fuel. And what Jesus is saying, it's not enough just to have the right tools. The term tool could be speak of your, your uh, gifting, your strength, your talent. It could speak of your personhood. But, but it's not enough just to have that. We have to have fuel to go with what God has given us. See, this parable is a parable about, parable about tools and fuels. You see, we do need skill and we need to develop our skill and we need to upskill. But if we don't learn to fuel ourselves, what's going to happen is our life is going to break down. You see, this lamp was designed with a wick inside and then down the bottom here is where it houses the kerosene. And this lamp can burn all night if you fuel it. But the moment the fuel runs out, guess what tends to burn? The wick tends to burn. And it will burn until it's burnt out. What's happening to a lot of people today? They are burning out. And they'll say this, they'll say, oh, the church burnt me out. My wife burnt me out. My boss burnt me out. The reality is we're all going to burn out if we don't fuel ourselves. You see, I've had the privilege of getting a new car in more recent months and, and it's a great piece of equipment. I really enjoy driving it around, I do. But I decided to take a core team away with us the other day and uh, I was sitting on it. My car shouted at me, you have 33 kilometres to empty. It told me that, it's amazing. 
made me a cup of tea and told me, he said, Tony, it just, it just told me that. And it was amazing. Before I took the team to where we were going, I stopped and I refueled. I hate that. Stopping. Just to fill up your cup. I hate that. But you know what's more inconvenient than stopping to fill up your car when there's a petrol station? It's when you don't fill it up when there is a petrol station. Because where we were going was about 80 k's away. Now if I do the mass with 33 k's to empty, I'm not going to get there. Would that be fair to say? And if I didn't stop and refuel, guess what would have happened? I would have got the guys in the car and we would have made it maybe to Elizabeth. And stop. And nobody wants to stop in Elizabeth. I can promise you that. <laughs> Not unless you have a gun and a... And a even... Again, I was born in Elizabeth. I can say that. God bless Alama Q in hospital. That's all I can say. And this fantastic piece of equipment called my car would have been rendered useless because it didn't have fuel. And I think of the incredible pieces of equipment that it sits before me tonight. You, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. I want to tell you, God has put you together, knit you together in your mother's womb. He doesn't make rubbish. You are an amazing piece of equipment. You are amazing. You are incredible. But if you don't fuel yourself, you will find yourself on the side of the road, broken down, burnt out, worn out, tired, dejected, depressed. It's your responsibility, as it is my responsibility, to fuel myself. I had to fill up my own car. Well, kind of. I had my wife with me. God bless her. But point being, point being, I filled up my own car. And if I had not have done that, no matter how good this car was, it would have come to a standstill. This parable is not just about the tool. It's about the fuel. And I want to tell you, if you don't have the right fuel, you're not going to go far in life. Many of us start out in life bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We want to achieve so much and we get to the end of our life and it's anything but what we dreamed of. Our dreams turn into a nightmare. Why? Because we haven't fueled ourselves properly. Many people come to the front, they respond, they put their hand up, they say yes to Jesus, only to find Jesus in their life has now become a big inconvenience. Because now I've got to go to church and now we've got to serve and I keep hearing these things from the pastors, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. We never wanted to do anything without this. That incredible message that Pastor Paulos spoke about today, this mission, having compassion for people, I'm telling you, it sounds good. And many of us would have been motivated to do something, but I'll tell you, without this, we're not going to do something for very long. And the very people we want to help are going to be the people we end up complaining about if you don't have fuel. And so Jesus is saying, you need fresh oil because the old oil runs out. You need oil. And as Christians, that oil is the presence of God Himself. It's the Holy Spirit at work in our life. It's that oil that stops the engine 
burning out and, and it stops metal grinding on metal. You know, the Bible says, as, man, as one man sharp, as iron sharpens another, so we sharpen one another. But you know what? Without the oil, without the Holy Spirit, we're just going to grind each other. But with the Holy Spirit, we say, man, I'm better off for you in my life. You drive me crazy. But I want you to know, because you're in my life, I'm a better person. Thank you very much. But you're not going to see it like that if you don't have oil, if you don't have fuel. You need oil. Remember, it was the wise ones that finish well, not the busy ones. How many people start off coming to church and then work gets in the way, family gets in the way. And we get busy, too busy for church, too busy to stop and fill up again. Why should you go to church every week? Because we give out every week and we've got to start, take a stock take and fill up again. We've prayed for people that were barren, couldn't have kids, prayed for them. The supernatural power of God entered the situation and miracle of miracles, they were able to have kids where before they were unable to have kids. We celebrate the birth of that child. We dedicate that child. Only a matter of over time, we don't see them anymore. Why? Because there's no oil. People will always become a problem without oil without us fueling ourselves. Prayed for a young baby, came to us, a woman off the street, didn't have any church background. Many years ago when our church was very new, very young, very fresh, and we looked at this baby, and this baby looked a little bit different, particularly in the eye department. And, and this woman broke and said, can you pray for my child? I said, what's the matter? She said, my baby's blind, was born blind. I'm thinking, flip it, we're in Adelaide. We're not in India. We're not in Africa. Miracles don't happen in Adelaide, do they? But we were bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. We were young. We were dumb. We just thought, let's have a go. And we just prayed for this kid. And nothing happened, at least that I could see. I was as blind as a kid. I didn't see nothing change. But the mum had to take the baby back to the doctor the next day for a checkup. And miracle of miracles, the baby started responding and received its sight. It was amazing. In Adelaide, Australia. Wow. You would think that woman and that child would grow up in the house of God and be thanking God every day of their life. You'd think, wouldn't you? Guess what? No oil. And we don't see them anymore. Wisdom is about you taking responsibility for your life. When I was 18 years of age, I developed this life mantra for myself. Three things. I said, what would I say to a 50-year-old version of myself? I was 18 years of age. And what could I say now that could hold me till I was 50? What could I use as a mantra that could kick my 25-year-old self up the pants? What could I say? And I came up with these three things. That I wanted the body of a young man. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and, and I wanted the wisdom of an older man. Now you see, these things all have a corresponding action. You can't just say them. You've got to do something about it. And then I said, I wanted the spirit of a godly man. Because I'd seen a lot of people that were older than me getting miserable and bitter and cynical and twisted and whinging and complaining. And I didn't want to be like that. 
And I remember actually talking to someone. They were 32 years of age. I was 18 years of age. And I was talking to them about this. And they said, when you get to our age, you'll change your mind. And I'll never forget, I was just so indignant. I remember putting my finger in her face and his face. It was a couple. And I said, I will never be like you two. That wasn't the nicest thing I've ever done. I realised that. I apologise, kinder. But I made a decision. I was not going to be like them. Because what I was looking at were people living their lives without this, without the oil of heaven, without the fresh touch of God on a regular basis. And that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed expectation that you have as youth had given way to the realisation that things aren't all as they seem. I said, when I'm, I, I want this 18-year-old kid to gently and not so gently, if necessary, kick me up the backside to make sure I get to 50 with all those three things intact. Well, I'm nine months off 50. So I'm pretty close now. And I realise that there is a younger generation that deserves me at my best. And there's an older generation that deserves me at my best. And I realise that's not their responsibility, that's my responsibility. It's not the responsibility of the youth and it's not the responsibility of older ones for me to be at my best. That's my responsibility. And so I made a decision as a teenager that I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to get to church every Sunday. I'm going to pray every day. And I want to tell you that, 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 that decision has held me in good stead. It doesn't mean I haven't had tough days. It doesn't mean I haven't had really, really bad days. I have and so have you. But what's going to get us through those dark days is fueling ourselves and reminding ourselves what God's Word says. We all need the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We all need to fuel ourselves part of being here tonight, I trust that something of what I'm sharing is fueling you and it's speaking to your inner self and you're kicking yourself right now and bringing yourself into line with what you know to be the good, pleasing, perfect will of God tonight. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. We have people who come alongside and say, come on, Johnny, you're better than this. Not there, 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 I agree. But you're better than this. Remember when I was at my lowest as a kid, dad had come up beside alongside me and he said, hey, Tony, don't let him grind you down. You're better than that. Then he'd talk about the bigness of God, the promises of God, and, and we'd just have fun and we'd get me through those moments. Got to fuel ourselves. Why? Because wisdom takes responsibility for our own lives. What separated the wise from the unwise? They just didn't bring oil. You see, you can have a great meeting. You can have a great wedding. You can have a great encounter, but pretty soon that will die out. You can't say to your wife on the altar at your wedding day, I love you, and expect that to carry you for the rest of your married life because that I love you will die out. And you've got to refuel your wife and say, I love you again, and I love you again. And that's your responsibility. You can't have anyone else saying to your wife, I love you, because if that happens, you're in trouble. I say, you're going to lose your wife. If someone else is saying, I love you, are you with me? I've been around a long time now. Not as long as everyone here, but long enough. 
And I've seen the people who said they would never and they're not even around anymore. Give you my whole heart, Jesus. They can't even stop watching the television to get to church anymore. They're at that job. They've got to do. They've got to do. I'm doing it for my family. Your family don't need more money. They need a fresh you. They need a new you. God is into doing new things. He wants to do a new thing in you. He took the Old Testament and made a new one. This morning, He took the old day, got rid of that and made a new day. God is a God of new things. He's into doing new things. He wants to bring a newness and a freshness in you. And He is present right here, right now to touch your life in a way and do what only He can do. So wisdom is taking the responsibility for your own life. Secondly, it's wisdom is seen in our waiting. See, we want everything and we want it now. But wisdom knows you don't get everything you want now. And the good things in life are worth waiting for. Wisdom knows that. Foolishness says, I want it now. Give it to me now. And so it's foolishness that will shoplift and steal because we want that, what we can't afford now. And so we do something foolish. We steal. We don't get the promotion that someone else got. And so we don't work harder to get the next promotion. No, foolishness says we're going to bring that person down. Tall poppy syndrome. That's what foolishness does because we want everything now. But Jesus tells in the story, He says that the groom was a long time in coming. We don't know why He was a long time in coming, but maybe He was just having a great time at His wife's house, uh, the bride's house, and just having a party. And that small party turned into a medium-sized party, turned into a large party. Maybe they got a little bit tipsy and they, they just said, they're just going to have to sleep this one off. And they, I don't know why they were late, but the groom was a long time in coming. You don't know how many days you've got left and I don't know how many days I've got left. But we might be on this planet for a lot longer yet. And what are we going to do with the days that we have left? You see, in the waiting, it says the wise and the foolish fell asleep. They all fell asleep. No judgment if you fall asleep. No judgment if you get tired. We all get tired. Every one of us gets tired. Falling asleep doesn't make you foolish or wise. Even the wise ones fell asleep. But when the call came, they were ready to take action. You're going to get tired. And that's why it's a privilege to be in moments like this that we can pray, care for, love and nurture. Thirdly, wisdom is seen when we set healthy boundaries. You've got to get this one. You've got to get this. In verses 8 and 9, the foolish ones, having been woken from their slumber, realise the bridegroom is, is almost here. And guess what? Our lamps, they're not as bright as they once were. My marriage isn't quite as fresh as it used to be. Those kids, I enjoyed them better as babies than as teenagers. And the fire started to go out. And what they said was, give us your oil. Give us your oil. And this is the bit I want you to get. The wise ones, get this, get this. The wise ones, now you're going to think they said yes because that's what Christians do, we help everyone. The wise ones said no. To me, I would have called this parable, get your own oil. And my real version would have been, get your own flipping oil. I can't get you what I got. What I got is what I got. 
You, I, I, I can't give you my revelation. I got my revelation from heaven. You, you, you got to get it. But here's the thing. If you go get your own oil, it's going to cost you something. See, we want a handout. We want something for nothing. And these wise ones said, if we give you our oil, we might be in trouble. God does want us to help others, but He wants us to do it from a place of health. The greatest gift I can give you is a healthy me and the greatest gift you can give anyone else is a healthy you. And that's why we have to prioritise what matters most. And what matters most is your health. It's your soul maturity. It's your spiritual maturity. And there's always going to be something that demands our time so that we don't have our devotions, so that we don't get to church. There'll always be something. Oh, but it's just this job. It's just this job. And when you're on that job, hey, I like what you're doing. Can you come and give us a quote? So we're doing this job. Then we're doing this job. Then we're doing this job. And we're doing it for the family, but we don't see our family anymore. There's a time, if you want to be wise, you can say no. Hey, can you just come? No. Go to church on Sundays. Yeah, but this job. No, 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 no. You don't get it. That's not sustainable. I was in business. I had plenty of opportunities to take work on Sundays, to go straight back to work on Monday to go straight back to work on Tuesday, to go straight back to work on Wednesday, to go straight back to work on Thursday, to go straight back on all oh, the money on Friday, to go back on Sunday. Oh, and guess what? Sunday. Oh, the money. It's amazing to go back on Monday and, and, and Tuesday. Oh, the money on Wednesday. Oh, when you're fighting and you're arguing and complaining, those stupid kids, that woman you gave me. And just... If God rested on the Sabbath, Who do we think we are that we can work? Seven days a week. You gotta say no. One of the greatest things my dad ever did to me was teach me what no sounded like. Get up early. I, for me, I'm an early bird. I've always been an early bird. Mornings were horrible because no one else got up early in our home. And I'd be like, come on, come on. I'd wake my brother, you, you're awake. No, get away. Go see my other brother. Hey, you awake. No, 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 no. Mum and dad, get away. Get away in bed. And so I just, oh man, mornings are tough. It's tough beat me. And then dad would finally get up and, oh, dad's up. Go, hey, dad, hey, dad. Tony, no, I've got to read. He always put God first. I knew he loved me, but he always put God first. And I see him read and he closed his Bible and then he'd give me some time. He put God first. And by putting God first, he was able to give me what I needed. You might get away with things for a little while. Oh, but look at my blind. It's so bright. It's amazing. My marriage is so good. My business is going so good. It will for a while. The Bible says it's like, there is a pleasure in sin. But for a short, it's just not, it doesn't last long. So what's your problem, Tony? That thing has been burning the whole time you've been preaching. You're right. It's amazing. And you haven't got any fuel in it. That's right. You know why? Because we put fuel in it before. Wisdom is seen in setting healthy boundaries. You better learn how to say no to the right things. Because this is what happens. If you don't say no to the right things, guess what? You'll say no to church. You'll say no to serving. Offering time comes, no. 
It's not that we don't say no, it's just that we say no to the wrong things. If those wise virgins had given their oil away, what would have happened, more than likely, is all 10 wouldn't have made it to the wedding. Sometimes you've got to be selfish to be selfless. Is this helpful tonight? And then the last point is simply this, number four, wisdom is seen in how we finish. Wisdom is seen in how we finish. Verse 10, it says it was only the wise ones that made it inside. It was the only the wise ones that got to spend time with the wedding guests. And the reason some didn't make it, it wasn't an issue of the tool. It was an issue of fuel. It didn't say they didn't make it because on the way they tripped over, smashed a lamp and it was no longer working. They didn't say that. It wasn't an issue of the lamp. It was an issue of fuel. I think sometimes we're too busy blaming the lamp, too busy blaming the wife, the husband, the kids, the dog, the cat, the boss, the business. It wasn't an issue of the tool. It was an issue of the fuel. As I've already mentioned before, if you don't fuel your lamp, the wick will start burning. And the wick will burn until it's burnt out. And if you don't tend your soul, if you don't tend your spirit, you can keep working until you burn out. The church has copped a lot of flack for burnout in the body of Christ. And some of that may be on the church. But I want to say a lot of that is just on the individuals who just keep working and working and working and don't do what I'm trying to implore you to do tonight. I'm nine months off 50. I'm so grateful for that decision I made as an 18-year-old because that set me up for life. I still feel a little bit like that 18-year-old kid. I still feel like I've got a spring in my step. I still feel like I've got a glint in my eye. I still feel there's a smile on my face. I still feel there's a joy in my heart. I still feel there's another season to come. Because of oil. And this oil is available to all of us. You just got to make time for it. See, what I'm tired of is experts telling us how to do this, but having no fruit in their own lives. That's actually what I'm tired of. And seeing precious people like yourselves get confused. Well, they say this and the Bible says, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. It's by the fruit that you'll know them. And the Bible says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is this love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Nine fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is barking like a dog. It doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is braying like a donkey, nor is it rolling on the floor at the front of church. It doesn't say any of that, of which can happen. But I'm tired of seeing people do all that. And there's no grace, there's no love, there's no peace, there's bitterness. There's con- the Bible says it this way. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, wisdom is proved right by her actions. 
Again, in Luke chapter 7, verse 35, this is challenging. Wisdom is proved right by her children. These experts got all the answers, and yet the children. I'm, I'm tired of people telling me how to do this thing, and they're depressed, and, and I'm tired of it when their kids are off the rails, and, and they become the experts because they've got a few scriptures. So guys, let's not buy into that. Let's have the real. Let's have the authentic. You know, Kath and I have been leading this church for almost 25 years. And that's a miracle. Why? Because I'm not a patient person. And yet by the Holy Spirit filling my life on a regular basis, I've been able to demonstrate one of the fruits of the Spirit, and that's patience. Not giving up when I've wanted to give up. Not running away when I've wanted to run away. Not quitting when I've wanted to quit. I thank God that over 25 years, I've never had a breakdown nor a burnout. Thank God for that. I thank God I love my wife more now than when I first married her. I thank God for our marriage. I thank God for we have three kids who love church. Imagine that. And there's been a few things that have been kind of come our way over the years. But we've protected them and, and created an environment of something that's far bigger than just people's accusations and small-mindedness that comes our way. And I want our kids, our kids, you're better than that. That's going to take you out. You're not going to last long. Three kids, love Jesus. I love that. 25 years, never had a church split. I, I thank God. What I'm sharing today is my heart. What I'm sharing today is something that I believe we have lived by the grace of God. If there's anything in my life that I've said tonight that is true, it's because of this. It's not because of this. It's because of something that's on offer and it's on offer every day will you stand with me this, uh, this evening you want to finish strong or you won't if you don't receive this again and again and again and again and again you don't need me to pray for you you don't need to come down the front. And I know there are different expressions out there that do things differently. What I want is the real and the authentic. If spending time on the carpet, laying down, gets you to that place, fantastic. But may it equal fruit. That's in keeping with the Bible, understanding of fruit of the Holy Spirit. That, that's my desire. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.